You're listening to the e-commerce marketing show presented by Privy. Hey, what's up, everybody? This podcast is actually a recording from a masterclass we did with John McDonald. He runs a conversion rate optimization agency called The Good. And we talked about the most important thing about your Shopify store, which is conversion, right? If people go to your store but don't actually do anything, then it doesn't really do much for you, right? So John is awesome, and we talked about the best kind of conversion rate, how to know what a good conversion rate benchmark is, which is something that comes up all the time. Hey, is this conversion rate good? Is that why John isn't a fan of discounting, which I know will be controversial, the importance of having really strong offers, and he even answered questions like, hey, how often should I update my homepage? How often should I uh, show featured products? How often should I update my product pages? And my favorite lesson is that John's whole thing is about stop obsessing about testing and optimization. You need to start with the basics, and so if that's where you are, I think this is going to be the perfect episode for you. Here is a masterclass that we did with John McDonald from The Good. Write in on chat right now. Like, where are you? Where are you writing in from? So I'll set it off. Uh, let me just make this go to everyone, all panelists. Uh, Dave in Vermont, uh, and just say what's up so we can hear you, so we can shout you out. Say say a real quick hello. Amber's in Cape Town. What time is it in Cape Town? Uh, Kimberly's in Atlanta. Cheryl's in Seattle. Jenna is in Montreal. This should be a big one. We had like over a thousand people sign up. So nice. Um, that's awesome. But w- what's new on the on the business side? What have you, what have you been seeing the last couple months? You know, I think e-commerce has uh, obviously been been running sprint here for a few months, which has been great. Yeah. Um, so we've definitely been helping brands to you know really take advantage of all the new traffic and, and everything that's been kind of coming their way, which has been a lot of fun to see. So I think, you know, in terms of COVID and everything else, obviously elephant in the room there, it's, it's just been great for e-commerce and we've been riding that same wave. I'm sure Privy has as well. Yeah, we have. It's been, it's been pretty wild. Like I'm, I'm new in this business. Um, but let me just get my screen up here while I'm trying to do this. And so I can talk to you now that I have a real, set up here, John, I can, <laughs> I can actually see you. I can actually see the chat. Um, it, it's been amazing. Like we, we've seen like, uh, are you good? Can, can everybody see this? We're good. We can see my, you and yep. me on the screen. All right, cool. Um, make sure it's not showing my private notes. Jersey girl in the house. Um, it's been crazy. We've seen like black Friday, cyber Monday levels of traffic and, and, and trials for us. Um, more new businesses getting started, more people wanting to do more. One thing that's been super interesting is uh, email growth. So like we've been seeing a ton of customers adding a ton of new contacts to their email, uh, to their email lists over the last three or four months because there's, you know, traffic is up. So people are converting more people on their site. So people's email lists are growing. It's been pretty wild. And now we're just like, uh, we got a lot of content to create. We got a, we, we got a lot of really cool stuff that we're doing leading up to Black Friday because we want to help um, people like really take advantage of this. And like, how do you turn all this demand into new business? 
versus just kind of running the same the playbook out there. So I'm excited. Yeah, it, I, I would agree with that. I think folks that are taking advantage of this right now and, or using it to their advantage in a way that they're, they're growing their email list, they're offering uh, great you know, customer experience right now are, are winning and they're going to see sustained wins. Love right? it. And, okay, so, so look, I, I want to I give like, I know people have a million questions for you and I, I want to I I just kind of set the ground rules for today. So um, we have a bunch of questions that came in already for John. We're going to talk through them. But ultimately, the way that these have gone best is when people just ask questions. This is, this is uh, a great opportunity to talk about your store, what's happening in e-commerce, like, to get personal advice and recommendation and tips from John. So um, what we're going to do throughout this, it's, it's easier to do it. Chad is good, but it, Chad is good if people just want to like talk along because one thing that's kind of annoying about Zoom is that it does feel like you're talking into a black hole. <laughs> and so give us feedback in chat. Hey, good idea, bad idea, ask questions. But if you want to ask a question, go to the, go actually put it in the, in the Q and a box and that'll just make it a little bit easier for us to track and answer as we get through this. So um, that's my spiel. And let's get in, let's get into this, this first question, John. So this person said, I have a ton of site visitors and get around 7% of that to add to cart, but my conversion rate is less than 1%. How do I convert more people who add to their cart? Before you answer, can I actually ask you a question? Yeah, please. What is a, if we're just talking about add to cart in general, what, what is a good benchmark for add to cart? What's a, what's, a, what's a good add to cart rate that you feel happy about? One that is always improving. Okay. Yeah. See, here's the thing. It, it varies so much, right? It's the same question I get around conversion rates. What's a great conversion rate? And it's the same answer. One that's always improving. And the reason is, that it really depends on your price point, what you're selling, what's the sales cycle look like, right? A lot of people will add to cart to save something, especially higher price point items. I was just talking to a watch brand earlier today that that sells, you know, $1,500 starting point for watches. Well, yeah, their conversion rate is going to be a little lower than if you're selling a $100 watch. Right? Love that. That's, that's great. I mean, we get that all the, all the time. And it's one of the questions that we talk about with our sales team the most is people will say, hey, what's a what's a good conversion rate? Um, and I, I like that. Like not, most important is to start measuring it and start actually doing things that you can improve it. Um, yeah. All right. So, so, so how do you tackle this question? Well, I think first thing is, is something's probably a miss prior to the cart, right? So yeah, you're seeing that there's a 7% add to cart rate, probably fairly good to see that rate um, depending on the product line. But really when you start thinking about that, a conversion rate less than 1%, um, is, is probably not sustainable. It's not really what you want to see, right? So I think there's something to miss prior to cart. Maybe incorrect expectations are being set, right? And on the rest of the site. Um, and it's not being met once you get into the cart. Usually there's a couple of other issues in the cart, such as uh, surprise shipping costs. That could be a big one. People drop off a lot because of surprise shipping costs. Uh, or you know, discounting is a problem for the brand. Right, so there's Shopify does this on the the standard Shopify. Most Shopify Plus stores have this issue resolved, but if you're on normal Shopify, which the majority of brands are, the discount field is up in that top right hand corner, and it's always open. It's an open field with a button next to it says apply, and it makes every single person coming to the site who's in checkout think they're not getting the best deal. And I've complained to Shopify about this for years. 
And uh, maybe doing it more publicly today will help. <laughs> but, but the reality here is, is it really needs to be a link that says, have a discount code, click here, something of that sort, just have a discount code. Um, and then you click there, then the field shows up. But I think discounting is a, is a big issue. Um, most brands try to get people on their email list by offering a discount either a percentage or a dollar off. And that's not a sustainable practice. Once you start discounting, you will never dig out of that hole. You will forever be a discount brand in the eyes of those consumers. And it's really hard to get back out of discounting to, to really doing retail pricing. Uh, just today, if people are interested in this, just today, uh, we posted up a, an article about all these other different ways you can offer promotions as opposed to doing discounting. Um, and we even have an article up on our site. It's like 78 ways to, to promote that aren't discounts. So uh, think about things like offering free shipping instead, uh, buy one, get one, gift with purchase, uh, maybe an extended warranty of some sort. All depends on your product you're selling. But a percentage off and a dollar off is really going to lead to a lot of problems in your cart uh, once people go to check out because they think there's a discount out there, especially if you did a pop-up when they first got to the site, asked them for their email address in exchange for a discount, and they said no at that point because they weren't familiar enough with your brand, then they get into the cart that triggered and remembering, oh, wait, there was a 10% discount I could have gotten by having my email address. I bet that's on Honey or any of these other sites. So I'm going to go to Google. I'm going to type in your site name and discount code. And then they get lost and they don't find it. So now they're, dis, you know, they're disappointed. They're like, why didn't I get the best deal? And they just don't come back. So you're not saying don't have an offer, mm -hmm. but, but your offer does not have to, an offer does not have to mean discount. An offer should not be a percentage or a dollar off. Love it. And that puts more power in your hands. It's about creativity. Like what, what things do you have to offer? What creative stuff can you find a way to bundle together? I just saw a great article in Fortune yesterday too that said for every 5% off that you, you provide as a discount, most brands will have to have a 19% volume increase in sales to cover for that loss. So you, most people think, oh, I just got to sell a little bit more to cover 5%. It ends up, the math ends up being about a 19% by the time you factor in marketing to get that sale, everything else. So most brands aren't going to get 19% additional sales from a discount. Just real quick in chat, yes or no, do you run discounts today? Yes or no? Let it, let it fly. <laughs> no. Yes. 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 Vast majority are saying yes. Death before discounts. All right, Matt, I'm on board with you. Donation campaign, that's good. Mm -hmm. Yep, I like that. That's a great idea. What about during Black Friday, Cyber Monday? Is that okay? I think that's a great time to run a promotion. I don't think you should do a discount, right? <laughs> I love it. Uh, not, there's, I, I don't think there's... Yeah, I don't think there's any acceptable time to do a discount of a percentage or dollar off. Love it. So, hey, there you go. Carrie said, everything I learned was to give a discount. So, okay. So we got a lot of people that are doing discounts here. What, what how do you recommend, like, how, how could you take an action off of this? Like, oh my God, I went to this thing today. This guy told me I shouldn't do discounts. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to do. Like what's an actual next step that somebody could, could take? 
Well, I think the first next step is you just have to rip the Band-Aid. Just stop offering a discount in your pop-up. Um, stop you know, doing discounting in that way. Instead, start coming up with other unique promotions you can run. Have an offer, as you said, right? So there's, there's dozens of them out there. Uh, if you're not doing free shipping, I guarantee if you were offering 5 or 10% off, that's likely, depending on the cost of your product, but likely going to cover shipping anyways. So just offer free shipping or bump people up to two-day shipping or, or tracked shipping, something of that sort. Um, or you know, offer, as I said earlier, extended warranty or a di- gift with purchase or anything of that sort. Um, I think there's a lot of things you can do there. Um, I, see, I see the comment, like, you know, different people, different opinions. Of course, look, here's the thing. Discounts work, right? You're going to get an email address from a discount. But I, I consider what happens down the line from that, right? If your goal is just to get an email, you will, you'll get more emails. But likely what's going to happen is that that consumer is never going to want to pay retail again. And they're going to come back to your site after they use that one-time use discount. And they might even enter that spam Gmail that they set up years ago just to get another discount code. And now you've got two contacts in your CRM. You're, you know, you're still giving out the discount. There's a lot of things that can happen there. Um, so just something to think about. Yeah, it's good. I think, I think ultimately it's your business. And the best thing you can do is take in information from a bunch of different sources and try to figure out what's going to work. Um, Rodrigo's going to stop discounting. Yeah. <laughs> hey, okay. So, so back, to your, back to this question. Like, would you, if you and I were working together, like, how do you actually map out all of the steps that can happen in that funnel? Like, is it literally mm-hmm. just get a piece of paper out and, and, and just go in and, and go, go down the list of, of the steps in the funnel and, and, and like mm-hmm. then go figure out how to go address those things? Uh, yes. But where I would start instead of doing a paper list is just go to Google Analytics. There's a great view in Google Analytics that shows funnel analysis and it shows you in columns all the different pages and steps along your funnel. And then it shows it's like a, I don't know, it's like an octopus with tentacles, right? It just shows you all these different paths people are taking. You can click on each path and it shows you the drop-off. So look where the highest drop-off points are. And that's going to be your clue of where to start. Because if you are able to just eliminate the first drop-off point and you, the whole goal should be not to get somebody to convert. That's the ultimate goal. But your first goal needs to be just get people to take the next step in the funnel. Right? And only focus on that. What is the problem of why they're not continuing down the funnel from this particular page? Once you solve that individual problem, then you can go on to the next step in the funnel. Okay, here's a good question. We'll take this one live. This is from Tamara. How is BOGO not a discount? How would you phrase that? I think BOGO is an offer, right? Because you're not offering them a... They're likely not doing the math in their head that you're giving them 50% off. Right, and that's the difference here. Uh, is it's a it's a psychological thing around if you see somebody offer something with a percentage or dollar off, you start to value it less. But if it's buy one get one, then I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds like a pretty good offer right now, um, and that might be a good incentive. Uh, so that that's really how I look at that. And people don't mentally think of you as a discount brand. It's every now and then you might get a value added, added thing and you can deal with the math uh, behind the scenes. Um, oh, good follow-up from this from Dan. But doesn't the customer still see that our brand is a brand that gives incentives in the future? 
Sure. Incentives. I mean, you're, you're going to have to do some type of incentive, uh, most likely to push people into that, that last step, especially people who are on the fence. I'm, I'm all for offers, incentives, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I'm just suggesting that the mental shift of somebody seeing you as a discount brand is going to be the problem. Now, you know, all of these discount sites are all around, you know, if you see all the ads for the, so PayPal bot honey, which is a plugin for browsers that automatically get you the discount codes, right? It's all the ads. If you look at all the ads, they're all around how much money in dollars that honey saves you. It's not, Hey, honey can get you buy one, get one. It's not honey can get you a free gift of purchase. It's honey will save you up to a hundred dollars here and there. Yeah. And, and, and incentive, by the way, like incentives are what incentives are what drive people. Like, so if you, if you forget about marketing and just back this all the way out to like human behavior, right? We're all driven by incentives. Incentives can come in all different forms, right? An, an incentive for me could be a, bo- a cash bonus at the end of the year based on some company goal. Uh, or an incentive could be, um, you know, I want to like, here's another example of an incentive, right? A marketing team at Privy where we're, we do, we're doing a monthly thing, marketing champion where the bet, like as voted by their peers and, and, and you get like mm-hmm. a, a sweet sticker for your laptop, right? Like <laughs> that's not a monetary incentive. That's, right. that's something that someone's going to put on their laptop and take that with pride. And so like, there's just different, I'm just trying to use that as an illustration of like how to think about this as opposed to incentive does not, just like John said, offer does not always have to mean discount. I think the mm-hmm. same is true with an incentive. There could be different reasons. Spend over a hundred dollars and get free shipping. Spend right. over $75 and also get this or, Hey, you just bought this, uh, you know, supplement. Well here you can also buy these bars for, you know, 10% off when you make that initial purchase. Yeah. Right. That's exactly it. And that has a, a sustainable effect of increasing like average order value. Right. And there's a lot of other metrics that really you start to, to influence when you start doing that, that are, that are positive metrics in the end for a brand. Yeah, this is great. This really stirred up. This stirred up. <laughs> yeah, discounting does it. This many questions early. <laughs> Start uh, off okay. with the fire. So, so there's 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 more, but let, let's just keep we'll keep messing around, and we can get back right. to to any unanswered at uh, at the end. So, next question is: I'm investing a lot in paid advertising to drive traffic, but I'm concerned I'm not seeing enough sales. How can I convert more of my paid traffic? So what doctor, what is the cure for converting more paid traffic? Well, I think it's a couple of things. The first is you really want to guide people to a specific targeting landing page, right? I see too many ads where they're just sending people to a PDP, product detail page, or even just a home page, or something that's not aligning with the messaging that is in the ad. So clearly start um, in, in just making sure that the, your ads have a relevant landing page. Um, Google tries to help out with that with the Google ad score, quality score. Um, but the reality is still a lot of brands don't, don't do it very well. So that's the first step. Um, and again, I'm not an expert at driving traffic. I'm an expert at converting it once it gets to the site. But um, I see that mistake all the time. Um, the second thing is really just aligning that messaging on your site to the ad language. I can't tell you the number of times we see low converting sites because people are coming into the site, but they have an expectation that was set in the ad and then they can't find that expectation being met anywhere on the site. 
right? Maybe there's a use case that you're advertising, but then you get to the site and that use case isn't even mentioned until someone gets to a product detail page or something of that sort. So there needs to be good alignment in the messaging for sure. Um, and then again, go back to that funnel analysis in, in Google Analytics and just see where people are dropping off. Uh, that's going to tell you, you know, where that messaging misalignment might be. I love it. I think um, it's almost like the cause, I don't know what the right word is, but like, it's almost like you have to go through and be a consumer and say like, all right, what's this? And, and think about like, I'm not in the weeds of my business, but like put your, literally put your customer hat on or ask a friend to go through it and say like, go to this ad, now go to this. Wait a second, this just looks like your website. Where do I go? Like, are you even sent, like you, you have to really go through this and not think of it as Dave inside of the business, but Dave as the consumer, how would I react to that? And that's exactly it. So I say this all the time, Dave. It's really hard to read the label from inside the jar. Nice. So many brands are stuck in the jar. They're designing the site. They did the navigation. They built the product details. They wrote the descriptions. They took the photography. They know everything about the products, right? And they know how to use their site. But a consumer who's new to file, someone you just paid to get to your site, has never heard of you before, was intrigued by your ad, got there. What is their experience? And that's what needs to get audited. And you, you called it out. Best thing you can do, get someone who you don't even know. Just solicit people on social for like, tell them you'll send them a $10 Starbucks gift card. Just screenshot it off your phone and send it to them. And do it over Zoom. You know, you can use Zoom free for 40 minutes. Just ask them for 15 minutes of their time and just ask them to complete a high-level task on your site. Or what we love to do is show them the ad and then take them to the site and ask them, okay, what do you, what do you think? And what would you do next? How to find the right product that's a good fit for you. And just high-level questions like that. You don't want to steer them, right? You don't want to say, find this product in this size and whatever. Less information, the better. And then watch what they do. And then ask them to talk out loud about the experience that they're having. What questions are coming up? What do they wish they could do? What are they looking for they can't find? That information is going to be gold because you're going to hear it from someone's perspective that is new. On the conversion, on the, on the converting paid thing, like, um, I, I do think that a lot of it does come down to the offer also, like not to, not to go all the way back to the beginning here, <laughs> but like if I'm selling, uh, if, if, if my, if you're scrolling through Facebook and you see my ads and my ads are, I got DG's hoodies, right. And, and you see my ads and it's like, get your black hoodie today in medium. Okay. Right. But if I, if the ad was exclusive limited run of 50 custom, you know, we partnered with so-and-so brand to do this custom run of exclusive limited hoodies, only 50 left, uh, go get yours today. Right. That's one example of how that's a better offer than the initial thing. And notice that we didn't talk about price. And so another example is like this, I'll use this in a, in a privy context. This, this webinar is an offer, right? We brought on an expert like John to just do Q and a with you. Like normally he probably charges 1500 bucks an hour to do something like this. And we're doing it with a hundred people here. Right. And so, uh, versus if we said, Hey, come to the web, come to this webinar tomorrow. I'm going to talk for an hour. Like that is, that's, I think that's what we, when we, when we talk about offer, that's how you can really get at that. Right. Because the flip side of that is if the ad said, click on this ad and I'll give you $500, like the conversion rate on that would probably be pretty good if you could convince people it wasn't spam. Right. 
you had some good little one-liners. What was that? You can't see the, you can't, can't read the label from inside the jar. Boom. I need a sound. I feel like I need a soundboard. Uh, okay. This one, we, John, we have a brand new store. We have a brand new store. What are one uh, or two of the most important things we should be doing to get a first sale from new customers? So how do you get that first sale? Yeah, outside of your your parents or your siblings and your friends. Um, okay, first of all, you got to tell the world, right? So you have to run some ads. Invest a little bit to learn a lot. And I think that's really important. Whenever I talk to new store owners, I often find they just don't really want to invest until they start having revenue. But even, a, you know, just get on Google and, and run ads for a day and learn a lot. Um, and then the second thing is do that user testing I talked about via Zoom. Right, hundred percent. You need to get people you don't know going through your site, giving you feedback. That is going to be the most important thing you can do. So drive some traffic, and before you drive the traffic, though, make sure you have data collection set up. So have your Google Analytics in place from day one. Have uh, some heat maps possibly rolling. Uh, so if you a uh, great tool for that is Hotjar. H O T J A R. I think it's like twenty bucks a month. Um, but the reality is it will show you where people are engaging with content on your site. And it will also do session recordings that will show you how people are navigating through your site and what paths they're taking and where they're clicking on the pages to go there. So it's all great information and, and a lot of it's an aggregate. So you're not getting privacy concerns. But that type of data will really help you understand how consumers are engaging with your site and, and what you can be doing to, to get more sales. I want to do a, I just thought of this idea. I want to do a quick poll and I, I don't know how to do it. In, I can't do it inside Zoom. So do, do us this quick favor. Rate, rate your, your level of, like eat, uh, of marketing expertise, like your, your own grade. So, so give yourself a one, a two, or a three. Three being like an expert. Just put that into chat really quickly. Like, would you say you're one brand new, three on the expert side of things? Okay, great. This is awesome. All right. Lot of one a 2.356. Good. <laughs> lot of ones, lot of ones and twos. Okay, this is really good. Um one and a half. All right, this is good. That, that, that's a good this is a, a a perfect a perfect framework. Um how John, like on on the new customer thing, how how quickly should you be like iterating and making changes? So like I'm launching DG's hoodies. I got a, I got a, a thing that I think is going to be my first offer. I've been, I launched it four days ago. I got nothing. Like, how, how should I be testing? Well, I think that that's a great question. You should be iterating quickly, early and often, I would say. And, and the reason is, is get, you're only going to have a handful of visitors to start. And a lot of those you're going to be driving through your ads, et cetera. So run, this is why I said run a day of Google ads, right? So you're not spending too much money. Understand how those have been received, uh, what the reception has been. Look at the analytics and all the other stuff I talked about. Learn and then implement some changes and run another day of ads. And if you do that bit by bit, you'll continue to iterate your site and get better. The best way to think about your website is kind of like in the United States, like a retirement account, 401k. You want to put a little bit in every paycheck and that compounds the growth over time. Same thing is going to happen with your store and your conversion rates. If you make a few small uh, incremental improvements on a regular basis, you'll see some massive gains over time and they'll be sustainable. 
I'm typing all your quotes in, in Slack to the team right now. Awesome. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm also trying to take notes, but I'm like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to send, I'm gonna send this one. Well, it's uh, recorded, okay. so that's good. Yeah, no, it's okay. Well, yeah, I, I guess that's a good point. Um, okay, this one. We have a product that needs a lot of education before someone buys. This is good because you mentioned kind of mm-hmm. bigger ticket items before. Uh, do you have advice for how to lay out our site to educate people and still drive sales? Good question. Yes. Um, okay. You, the best advice I can say is you're not alone. Every site is only looking to do two things. Every e-commerce or transactional website, first thing, consumer is at your site to understand if your product or your service is going to solve their pain or their need. Right. The second reason they're at your site is to convert. If they decide that you can help them, they want to convert as quickly and easily as possible. Look, you're not Facebook. Nobody's at your site to hang out. They're really not. They're there to get a job done and to leave. Um, And anything that gets in the way of that is really going to create a problem. So this is a common thing. You know, you would think that it's maybe a high price product needs more education or a you know something that has a longer buy cycle. But the reality is, every single site is trying to do this. You're trying to educate people on your products, help them find the best fit for them, and then push them through that process to convert as quickly and easily as possible. So. How can you do that? Um, I say that, you know, uh, get them to the site for the education and give them that education. So in the typical Gary V, Gary Vanderchuk fashion, right? The, the jab, 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 right hook, as he said years ago. Uh, very, very similar. You want to educate, 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 and then hit them up with a call to action at the appropriate time. Um, tell a story, right? So what's the pain? How do you solve that pain? And then Yep. You want to solve that pain too? Great. I can help you. Here you go. Don't you think like, there's also, there's also a reason like somebody, people didn't, most likely didn't just randomly stumble across your website. And like, if you thought about your website as a brick and mortar store, whether someone was ready to buy or not, you'd be like, Hey, how's it going? Uh, where'd you hear about us? And let me know if I can help you with anything, right? Like, are you even asking those questions up front to start a conversation? You don't have to expect the sale on day one, but if somebody's on my website, I want to know how the hell they got there. Yeah, look, one of uh, I'm I'm writing a book right now on on pretty much the commandments of of conversion optimization, and one of them is to treat your store, your online store, as if it was a retail store. If you wouldn't do it in a retail store, don't do it on your website, and vice versa. If it's helpful in a retail store then it's probably going to be helpful on your site, right? And it's the same thing where you know you need to be helpful. Help them get to the right aisle. Help them find the right shelf. Help them find the right product and then understand the differences between the, the small variations of those products that are on that, on that shelf. All right. Let's get to some of these questions burning up in my, in my Q&A. All right. First question is from Matt uh, on Shopify. What's the best improvement to conversion rate that can only be gained via custom web development rather than tweaking the Shopify theme or setting? Uh, okay. So what I would do is move to Shopify plus and get rid of that discount field. Boom. Nice. <laughs> that's the, that's the best thing you can do. Quite honestly, I've, I've, I've said this to Shopify a hundred times and they won't change it. I don't know why, but every, every user test we run, every optimization we do, that is the biggest hang up in the cart. I don't know why they have it. They must Wait, have what, some data. What is it? I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. So, you know, in Shopify in the top right hand corner, 
uh, where it starts listing your product and stuff and in the cart, the checkout, right? Not the cart, the checkout. It has the discount field and it's open and it has a button it's next to it says apply. And it's just an open discount field. What's what do you want to do when you see that discount field? You think you're missing out. You want I'm to like, fill that field. Yeah. Did I miss that? Did I miss it out? I'm going to go Google. I'm going to go Google that. I'm going to just try right. to plug in Rogan on all of them or something. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing is that if you search for this on Google, there's so many posts in the Shopify help that are all about the knowledge base and, and the forms that are all about how to turn that off. And it's Shopify reps saying, "No, sorry, you can't do it unless you're on Plus." Just make it a toggle. Just let people turn it off, please. Mm. Do, do you have people that like, have, have you worked with somebody that actively like addressed that or, or just like for, used it as yeah. a value add just to, to, to not make it a negative thing? Well, we, we do uh, address it. And normally how I would address it is just to put a, a text link in its place that says have a discount code, question mark. And then people click on that and then the field shows up. Um, really, you want to make it accessible in case you're offering some type of, of discount code or offer code, let's call it, instead of discount code. That's the other problem. If they just change the word to say offer code, I think they would, they would probably see a higher conversion in cart. And this is advantageous for Shopify because look, they make money off the transactions too. So you would think they'd want to do this. but Yeah, you get more money if there's not always a discount. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, cool. Protect the margin. I'm glad Discounting you- is just margin drain. True. They're your, hey, I guess in fairness, they're your margins. Do whatever you want with them. <laughs> That's right. Look, I'm, I'm in business to have high margins. I don't know about you. So. Sure. Uh, all right. This question is from Brianne. I have a cross-selling campaign on my website and it's not converting. Could you please help me understand best tactics? What do you do with this one? What do you mean by cross-selling? Can you? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take this one, which is basically like, Hey, uh, I just added this black t-shirt to my cart. You know, I get that. Hey, you should also get the white t-shirt. Yes. Right. Okay. So, um, I think the first thing is, is that a lot of those recommendation engines are, are manual. What I mean by that is that you typically have to, um, go in and, and, manually align them. There are some great tools out there now for Shopify plugins that allow you to do um, cross-sells and, and recommended products. Um, but doing them manually is is generally going to give you the best results. Now, if it's not working, then a couple of things can come up. Maybe you should try bundling instead. Right? Have bundles of products up on your site. That typically performs way better than cross-selling. Uh, because you're saying, hey, um, you can buy just the white shirt or you can buy the white and the black and save you know, uh, by doing the bundle, right? That's a good offer, right? Um, uh, so something of that sort is going to get you a lot further. Typically, most people are blind to these now. Uh, we run tests on these, A-B tests and, and heat maps and all of that eye tracking and all of that type of data on these across you know, hundreds of brands. And I can tell you that most people ignore them. Test. Uh, Stella, okay. How do you balance out? Let me read this one. A lot of BOGO. Uh, how do you balance out the BOGO mentality, which is generally associated with lower end ba- brands, pay less Walmart, Old Navy, with selling a premium designer product? Most high end retail boutiques and retailers do not run BOGOs because it seems cheap. I'm smiling in my head because I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, well, find a better offer that's more on brand, right? I think that there's several you can do, 
I agree. BOGO, maybe that that comes across as cheap. I think lower end retailers do it a lot because their margins are pretty high and the, and the dollars on that discount are, are pretty low. Um, but the reality is there's tons of offers and you could probably find one that, that's best for you. I know there's, there was a lot of focus earlier on buy one, get one, but uh, that's just an example of one offer. Uh, what are your thoughts on using ads to send people to articles or content on your site? Can that have tangible benefits even for a company that sells physical products? I wouldn't waste your money, Matt. Quite honestly, um, content is great for getting people to your site, but it's an earned medium. I wouldn't pay to send somebody to an earned channel to then get them into your site, if that makes sense, right? Um, so really what works best is have that content up there for organic search or as a resource. People are doing their research online and they're trying, again, to understand if your product can help solve their pain or need. And they're, they're Googling for their pain or need and you want your article to come up. Um, I see this mistake all the time too on sites where on homepages, people are listing out all their blog articles. And it's like, whoa, whoa, that's top of funnel. You got them to go further down the funnel. Now, why do you want to send them back up? So blog articles are great for getting people to your site. They're really not that great for getting people to convert once they're there. So... Um, your goal with a blog article should be to have call to actions throughout that send them into relevant products and uh, relevant pain points that your products solve and go from there. I would not pay you to send people to blog articles though. If you're paying, you better get an email address back, right? Isn't that kind of like the ground rule? Yeah. Get something in return. We did, we did um, one of these last week with Kelly Vaughn. Uh, we did uh, Shopify teardowns and she had a great line. She said like, the purpose, this is not related to what you just said, but I just thought of it um, looking at my notes. She said, the, the, purpose of your web, the purpose of your website, your store, is to get people to add to their cart. Okay. Period. Period. And I was like, oh, she, she's right. Like, this is a store, right? The goal is not to like, hey, go read this article. Like, there is a place for that. But when you're in the store, I don't want you to read an article. I want you to buy something. Yeah. One article, uh, one metric that I never see people write about, never really talk about online is add to carts ratio, right? How many, how many add to carts can you influence and get? And I think that's important. Now that's going to, maybe if you start influencing that metric, you're going to have issues down the line with less conversions, but in less purchase, but still like your goal is to get them to that next step in the funnel. Then you can solve that problem once you get there. So I like that a lot. Love it. Um, all right, here's a curveball for you. This is a tough one. Can it, because I think these two are misaligned, but uh, can a print on demand t shirt company uh, avoid becoming a discount brand? Ooh, sure. Why not print something that's highly customized? Something that, uh, you know, focus on a niche. I think, yeah, here, here's where discounting really becomes the only go to metric is when you're in such a broad market and you have no differentiation. Right. If I could go and get your product in 20 other places online, 100 other places online, I could just go to Vistaprint or, I mean, I could probably name 100 of them right now, right? Or I don't know, but, not 100, but you get the idea. I could name a bunch of those printed places right now. Um, you know, I could go to DG Hoodies and get a custom printed DG Hoodie that's doing print on demand, right? Um, so I think the reality here is you need to niche down a little more focus on where, what is, you know, are you only going to do images of people's pets on their shirts? And then that's going to be your go-to marketing. You're going to be the best at that small niche. Then 
people will come there for that because they're looking, they're going to look for pets on, you know, custom pet shirts and they're going to find your product and then you're going to have an advantage over everyone else. So you don't have to discount as much. I love that. You'd be known for something, right? Don't be the cheesecake factory menu where like there's a hundred <laughs> things on there and every one of them is okay. Be known for the burger, be known like John is no, the reason we invited him to do this because he's known for conversion, right? We're not like, Hey John, uh, we're going to do an email thing. Like, no, you, you would have said, eh, email's not really my thing. I will do conversion. Right. And I, and yep. you've made a much better business because of that. All right. What's your approach for using, you talked about Google analytics a bunch. Uh, how do you use Google analytics when you're doing an audit of somebody's Shopify store? Ooh, uh, it's usually one of the first places we start. And uh, the biggest challenge with that is uh, that a lot of brands have it misconfigured or they've never touched it. So the first thing you want to do is if you're an e-com or Shopify store, there's a little button inside Google analytics. It's, uh, it just, it's labeled e-commerce. Make sure that's on. Because you're going to get a lot more rich data. Um, just Google that if you you know you need to understand how to do it. It's real simple. It's one checkbox. <laughs> but most you would be surprised. We work with brands doing several million, and they don't have the checkbox checked. It's crazy. Um, and you're going to get a lot more data that way. What we look at the first thing I look at is that funnel analysis I talked about earlier. I want to know where people are dropping off. That's going to give me a clue or, or is, you know, usually the homepage has the biggest drop off rate because that's where people end up. But uh, that signifies to me that you have other challenges around traffic generation, perhaps. Um, other than that, we want to make sure that you have a good baseline for metrics. So you want to be collecting data early so that you can have that baseline. Second thing I tell people to do, annotate. Super easy to do, but nobody does it. Go into Google Analytics. You don't, at a small stage anyways, you likely don't have enough marketing going on where you can't keep up with this. But just go in and add annotations when you sent that promo, you know, promotion or offer email. Uh, when you sent your you know, monthly or biweekly or whatever, catch up email with your entire customer base. And then just you'll be able to see what the trend line is right after you send these things. If people aren't doing that, it becomes really hard. I usually go in and I take screenshots of certain segments or date ranges. And I say, something happened here. Can you tell me what happened here to influence your conversion rate doubling overnight? And they're like, oh yeah, that was two years ago. I have no idea what we did. And it's like, well, that's all, you know, not a whole lot of help. And so, so do you actually go in... Do you just do it before or do you do it like if you've seen a spike after and like a day later, you'll remember what it is? Uh, the more, the better as far as I'm concerned. So I would do it, you know, every, every day, uh, every, every active campaign, anything you run, uh, when you start a new ad campaign, when you end it, just have a good understanding of what, what you're doing there. You can never have too many annotations. I mean, I, I take that back. I mean, if you're going to annotate a hundred times a day, you got a problem, but if the size that most brands are on Shopify, they're, you know, you might have 20 a month and you, that would be fine. Yeah. Good. Good answer. Um, let's see. What are your thoughts on using? Uh, we did that one. We, uh, okay. This one's from Stella. A well-designed website is critical con for conversion. How often should I be updating my homepage design and featured products and collections on that made page for the best results? Okay. So two things I have about this. Uh, one is that your current customers are very unlikely to go back to your homepage. So do you need to update it that often? I, I would argue no. Um, not unless you have some data or you're doing some testing or something like that that really is going to drive a decision point on there. 
but your current customers are ignoring your homepage and they're going straight into the products. So if they already know you, you probably don't need to do that. Second, so many companies think that they have to have a 10 out of 10 beautiful website in order to convert. Really, the only design matters. Design does matter, but it only matters to the point in terms of conversion. Your brand may disagree. Maybe you have a really high-end brand, you want a beautiful site. But in terms of conversion for a consumer, the only thing that matters is if it looks trustworthy. If I give you my credit card, am I going to get my product? And you'd be surprised on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the ugliest website ever and 10, you know, maybe like an Amazon and 10 being the most beautiful site like an Apple or something. Okay, well, you really only need to have like a 2 or a 3. It's super low. You'd be super surprised how low that number is. Think about Craigslist, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> or Amazon. Amazon's a great example. Would anybody say that Amazon is a beautifully designed uh, product catalog? No, it looks like crap, but it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and I'm not suggesting you copy Amazon by any means. <laughs> the, you know, <laughs> you're not a billion dollar business, but that's a different situation. So, is more variety in the product store good or bad? Different colors, different different colors available. Different shirts, different hoodies. Wow. Um, that's really product specific. I don't know that it matters. I think what matters is how you share that information more than anything. Um, for instance, I would not have a, a new product detail page for every colorway. Or you know, I, I would have one main product page that you have all that information on, you're driving a ton of traffic to, that then allows them to choose between the black t-shirt, the white t-shirt, or... Um, the t-shirt, you know, that's a different sizes, et cetera. Um, you know, I've seen, you know, I was just working with a cereal site or a snack site on their cereal page yesterday. And what I found was they have, they make you answer like four or five questions before you actually get to, uh, being able to add to cart. So they want you to get onto the subscription. They want you to choose the flavor. They want you to choose the number of boxes you're going to get. They want you, you know, all these things before you add to cart. I don't know. I would test it and see if that is effective. I mean, they're pretty, it seemed like they're a pretty well-designed brand. So they've done some testing. All right. A couple more. Then we're going to wrap. Um, do you use heat maps and how do you use them to improve your funnel? Ooh. Yes, use heat maps. Hundred percent use heat maps. Um, what do you What do you tell people what they could use for that? Hotjar is what I recommend. H O T J A R. Um, there's others out there like Crazy Egg and a few others, but Hotjar has. I really love it. It has the the most relevant data, and you get the most bang for your buck with it. Uh, we found the data accuracy to be much better than other competitors that are out there. Um, what do we use it for? Well, I want to know how people are engaging with content, right? And that's really what it's going to help you. There's things like in terms of user experience that you can check too. I like to look for one called rage clicking. This is where people are... Because part of heat maps is, is not just... I, I should back up here, DJ. There's a couple different types of heat maps that are really important. Heat maps based on mouse movement, which is what most people think of, right? Where's the cursor on the screen? Where are people touching on mobile? There's scroll maps. How far down the page are people scrolling and where they drop off? That makes people understand where uh, you know, your, your good content is and how you should rearrange content up on the, on the page perhaps. And then there's click maps. And this is a type of heat map that shows you where people are actually clicking or tapping on your page. 
clicking and tapping on the page, I always look for things called rage clicking. And this is where people are trying to click on things that aren't clickable, but they obviously think they should be. Um, so, you know, a good one for this is always people want to have that social proof that they were in some famous magazine or famous news site, right? And it's a logo, but then that logo doesn't go anywhere. And people sit there and click on it because they're like, oh, you, you know, you were in, I don't know, whatever, mag- Fortune magazine. Well, great. I want to see more about that. And they go to click Prove on it. It doesn't take them anywhere. Right. Exactly. It's easy to put a logo up. It's harder to actually have the article on your site. I think people are afraid to, that people will go off the site. Maybe. I don't know. It well, does keep look them on your up. site, right? Uh, put a screenshot, it, put a screenshot of, the, of, the, of the article or something like that. Yep. Um, let's go back. I want to go back to this one from Brianne because she said, okay, but how do you increase AOV without doing a cross-sell, upsell campaign since customers are blind to it? So we're not saying don't do a cross-sell, upsell campaign. It sounded like in your specific example that people were missing it. And so I think the opportunity would be to go back and test that. Is it the offer? Is it, is it what, what the upsell, what the cross-sell upsell offer is? Is it the copy? Is it the images? Like there, there's gotta be something that you could probably go in and test there uh, where you could learn a little bit more and then like figure out through that what the best thing to offer would be, right? Or you could even be, there's not enough proof around that. Hey, customers... 500 customers who bought this also like this. You should go and check this thing out. There's, it's a little bit tougher to diagnose on the surface because there's probably 15 things it could be, but I would just go and, and literally go and do John's kind of like empathy checklist, right? If I was the customer here, would I even notice it? Okay, well, is it the offer? Is it not good? There's a lot of things to, to diagnose. Yeah, placement too matters. Sure. Yeah, there's, there's a way to do a cross sell where nobody's going to miss it, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, <clears throat> All right. This is a little bit of a tough one, but I think you could do it. Uh, top three, what are your top three must do to improve the conversion rate? Ooh. Okay. One, don't discount. All right. We've talked about that a lot. So obviously that's why I talk about it a lot. Two is um, going back to if you wouldn't do it in a retail store, don't do it on your website. So eliminate immediate pop-ups. Imagine if I walked into your retail store and you jumped out in front of me and you said, hey, with a clipboard, hey, John, sign up for my, for my email list. Don't do it, right? Wait until they scroll down the page, uh, take some type of action, right? Till they get to know your brand a little bit. In fact, don't even do it on your homepage, ideally. Bake it into the content of your homepage. Um, second of all, um, I would eliminate auto-rotating carousels on your homepage. Um, I, there's tons of studies on this. Notre Dame did an amazing study that showed how many people click on the second, third, fourth, fifth items, et cetera. Uh, very, very few. It's like 0.001 even click on the second item. I just, you know, I've mentioned earlier today, I was talking about a watch brand um, and they had an auto-rotating carousel. Not only was the carousel moving pretty quickly through all these images, but the call to action button was moving with each image. So one, one time it was here, the next time it was over here, then it was over here and over here. And it made it impossible to figure out where to click. Uh, I think you know, understanding how you're frustrating consumers is, is really, really important. Most important. Yeah. A lot of this isn't even like marketing tactics. Empathy, uh, as you said. People, human experience, like walking into your store. I think the marketing part is easy. You just got to know the tools and stuff to use, right? 
Um, John, do you do anything with Google Optimize when you're auditing stores? Are you testing stuff? Yeah, we do a ton of A-B testing. Uh, that's one of the uh, great data sets that are available. I think you know what's important with Google Optimize is twofold. One is the tool sets have been democratized. Google Optimize is free. It's easy to use um, to do some basic stuff with. But I think it, that also means that a lot of brands that are, don't have enough traffic are trying to do tests and they're not getting relevant data. You really need to have enough traffic before you start doing A-B tests. Think of it this way. most In terms of traffic, most stores are still in elementary school, but they're trying to do high school or graduate level courses, right? And so focus on just the basics of all the other stuff we've talked about today, having your Google Analytics correct, running some heat maps, doing things of that sort, doing user tests. All that stuff will get you good data and good insights much quicker than doing A-B testing. Uh, we don't do A-B testing for sites until they have at least 40 or 50,000 monthly visitors. Um, and that's not a large number, right? I mean, that's not huge. But before that, you really can't run any A-B test and get a uh, definitive answer out of it, what's called statistical significance. You can't get that until you have enough traffic running through those tests. So That was a good one. The, store, the traffic level is in, is in high school, but you're trying to do that. That's like when people say, hey, on my website, I want to do this and do this and do this and do this. And it's like, okay, well, um, so what are you currently doing today on your website? And it's like, oh, oh nothing. Like, how about step, like, take, a, take the first step first, right? Like, it's got to be this iterative process. It's not going to be you're just going to roll out this magical automation on your website and everything's just going to run for you. It's not going to work that way. If, look, if you really want to run a test, just, do, just make the change and let it run for a couple of weeks and see what happens. Don't do it through Optimize because um, you will effectively not get good data back until you have enough traffic, I should say. Love it. All right. Let's, we're we're going to wrap up on this one. Two, two things though. Number one, this will be recorded 100%. We're going to send it out. But also, we're going to run this on the e-commerce marketing show, which is our podcast. And we did an interview back with John a couple months ago. So you should, you should go check that out. Uh, it's been downloaded 30,000 times, 39 episodes. And so we'll, we'll, put, we'll get that audio there as well. So you should go and uh, check it out, especially if this, is your, if this is your world, like just pop on the podcast as you're cleaning the house, you know, packing up stuff, doing whatever. Um, okay, let, 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 me pick a, let me pick one to end on. All right, here, here's a question for, um, I'm trying to figure out. Let's answer this one from Lavella. Um, I was late to joining, but what's your opinion of Shopify? I've not had any success and have paid them for a year, many phone calls and no results. I'm thinking about converting to Square e-commerce. Any suggestions? I don't think the platform matters that much. Um, quite honestly, um, I think that Shopify has the biggest app ecosystem and the most support and users. So it's obviously um, the easiest to work with. Um, you know, I, I would say that the bigger issue is probably your product or your price. Um, and you might want to start there first before you, you go into the effort of changing platforms. If you're having a bunch of technical issues with Shopify, um, you know, maybe just simplify things down as much as you can. But the reality is, um, you know, I'm seeing probably 80, 90% of stores are on Shopify these days, uh, you know, especially under, under you know, 100 million. It's, it's, it's easily the biggest platform by far. Um, would I go to something like Square or Wix or any of those? Absolutely not, because you really start limiting yourself. The ecosystem's way too small. 
look, not everybody's perfect, but like Shopify is Shopify. (laughs) I think, I think if if you're going to, if you're going to start a, if you're going to start a business, like I think they know what, I think they know what they're doing. Uh, I I would say that probably 90% of the people that are on heat that are here on Shopify right now. Um, And so I think I I would, I would, I would give it another look. Look, Um, Shopify is, is such a, a big elephant that it, they went public last year or year before and uh, their biggest competitor, and at least in my eyes, and it was just big commerce, just, just filed to go IPO as well. And they, in their IPO, they mentioned the success of Shopify's IPO as, as the reason for them doing it, which is, I mean, if, you're, if your biggest competitor is mentioning you and they're filing, you've got, <laughs> you've got some ground to make up. Yeah. Cool. All right, John, you're awesome. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, thanks everybody who hung out for this. Uh, Like I said, we're going to post this on the podcast. We'll also send out the the recording so everybody has it. And uh, John, plug your um, plug your plug your Twitter real quick so people can go and just follow up with you directly and 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 the good. Yeah, uh, well, the good you just find us at thegood.com. T h e g o o d dot com. Pretty simple there. Uh, Sign up for our weekly insight emails. uh, Where you know if you liked what you got today, uh, every week we're we're covering a topic pretty in depth and uh, never sales pitch. Just super super helpful content. Uh, Our mission is to remove all the bad online experiences until only the good ones remain. And our insights email is is how we contribute to that. So um, definitely do that. You want to hit me up on Twitter or actually just email me. That's way better for me. It's just John, J-O-N at thegood.com. I'm not as active as DG is on on Twitter. I'm much more active on LinkedIn. So uh, you can find me in any of those places. But um, hit, you know, my name is my, uh, on Twitter is, is my handle. So it's John MacDonald. When you email John, tell him what your favorite line was. Was it, um, you can't read the label from inside the jar? Was it, uh, uh, what's a benchmark for conversion rate? One that's always improving or an offer is not a percentage or a dollar. Those are, those are my notes. John, you're awesome. Everybody, we'll talk to you later. Bye.